0: Blog Talk Radio.
1: and welcome to the Eastern Airlines Radio Show's Thursday edition to the REPA Radio Hour brought to you by the Eastern Airlines Radio Show and the Retired Eastern Pilots Association, our major sponsor. We share the stories and memories of the pilots who flew the planes of Fit air and aviation, Eastern Air Transport, and Eastern Airlines. My name is Neil Holland and Retired Eastern captain and producer of the show. We hope you will enjoy the stories we bring to you every Thursday at this time and you will join in the conversation during the broadcast. We like to brag a little bit from time to time because we're way out there. We reach almost all the way around the globe. The following countries listened to our show last week Australia, Malaysia, Thailand, Philippines, Japan, China. India, Turkey, Ukraine, Slovakia, Czech, the Czech Republic, Germany, Denmark, Finland, France, United Kingdom, Ireland, Senegal, Brazil, Argentina, and Colombia. How do we know this? Well, we have a uh, administrative page that shows a map of the world and those countries that tune us in. Now... Let's stop the bragging and get the show in the air. REPA 24, you're clear to start your
0: engine.
2: REPA 24, you're cleared for takeoff.
3: Roger, we're on the roll and requesting a straight out departure. That's approved, REPA 24.
4: Welcome back to another exciting Reaper Radio Hour. Today our stories range from the sounds of the aircraft you just heard starting up, or simply stated, from the mail wings to the huge Lockheed L-1011 TriStar, a.k.a. the Whisperliner. By the way, that was the beautiful sounds of the four Wright R-3350 engines of the Lockheed Constellation probably on another successful Eastern Air shuttle flight. As we like to tell our first-time listeners, you can listen in with your smartphone or go to our radio show provider at www.blogtalkradio.com forward slash Captain Eddie at 3 p.m. Eastern Daylight Time and just click on the start arrow. Remember, it must be at 3 p.m., or you'll be given the message that the show has not begun. Better yet, why not do as many listeners do and just call into the show at 213-816-1611. This will put you on the producer's board, and all you have to do to share your comments or join in our discussion is to touch the number one key on your smartphone keyboard. That will tell the producer to unmute your phone's microphone. Then just join in the fun. Now you can choose or listen or talk with our host. Now let's head up up to uh, Long Island, New York, where Captain Mike Scott is at the controls. Mike?
5: Yes, thanks, Don. Folks, sit back and enjoy the great aviation stories, as our producer said, stories written by pilots who flew the planes of Pitcairn Aviation, Eastern Air Transport, and Eastern Airlines, stories printed in Reaper T and other publications. Today we have some stories by the ladies told in the pages of Captain Neal's book, The Wings of Many. We add beauty to our stories. Eastern ladies can be just as good at telling stories as the guys, so we give you a few more stories from our gals that that have written in. Harry, how about telling the listeners what they may have missed uh, on last week's uh, broadcast?
2: All right. Thank you, Captain Mike. Uh, In our last episode, Jean Lightenfrost told a story titled, Who's Your Daddy? They met again, but this time the child was all grown up and sitting in the right seat of an eastern aircraft. Flight attendant Jill Cotton kept hearing voices in the galley of an L-1011, and you might be surprised at the source of the voice in her very surprise ending story. Flight attendant Alexa Conway wrote about why pilots will never change on the layover, especially with nude Scandinavian flight attendants by the pool. That was quite a story. Captain Neal's next story was Captain Jerry Frost's wife, Marge, and how he showed her when God wanted his coffee. Rosalind Bush wrote about selling seats from Boston to Atlanta, her memories of the Lockheed Electra. Captain Mike? Isn't it about time to continue these great stories by the ladies? What do we have to start off the show today?
5: Well, Harry, thanks. Yeah, we got to start off another story written by a flight attendant, Alexa Conway, of the kindness of not only the Eastern people, but the people of general, in general when it comes to our heroes and soldiers in uniform. Mr. Producer, let's hear from the ladies.
4: Christmas
1: in the air by Alexa Conway. One Christmas Eve, we were en route from Miami through Atlanta, headed toward Hartford. It was late in the evening, so we were almost empty, everyone else having reached their families. As we started our service, a call button rang. I went to find a young soldier in uniform alone in the window seat toward the rear of the coach cabin. He looked stricken. He was missing his pay envelope. As I began pulling seat cushions, he kept saying nobody could have stolen it because that's against U.S. law and the military would not allow such a theft. I was heartsick to think this young kid had just been robbed and was too naive to recognize it. He remembered being in the restroom in Atlanta Airport and wondered if he dropped his pay envelope there. By this time, I had thoroughly searched the row behind and in front under all six seats, in the back seat pockets, and in the overhead bin, pulling everything out because he had put a bag up there. No envelope. I excused myself to start work. In the galley, I began to explain the situation. The flight attendants were upset at the thought. This kid was headed to Hartford to surprise his parents for Christmas. Before he shipped out to Vietnam, we were due around midnight to arrive. We were all heartsick. I went to the cockpit when I told the front crew about our young soldier. They pulled out their wallets. I went to my purse and added some money. The flight attendants did likewise. Now I was on a roll. I started in the first class cabin. My flight attendants spread out across the plane. We went to every single passenger. We simply explained the situation, and the wallets came out. A few minutes later, I counted the money. We had more than $500. We put the money into an eastern envelope, added a short note, and sealed it. I took the envelope to the young soldier. As I explained to him that uh, what everyone had done, he was wide-eyed. He asked if I could get all the names so he could mail refunds. He was a jewel. When he opened the envelope, he was a gog. I have no idea how much he had lost, but I knew how much all of us had gained. When we landed, a man from first class deplaned but stood in the jetway. As the young soldier got off the airplane, the man stepped out, extended his hand, and began talking to the soldier. As we passed them in the terminal, the soldier was waiting with the gentleman. Our passenger has given the soldier a was giving the soldier a ride home. Christmas was alive and well in Hartford, Connecticut. Oh, nice. You know, it's just typical of the Eastern people, and I'm sure you guys experience that on your flights as well, yeah. Jim and, um, and Mike and. Yep. Yeah. 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 Uh, I I remember I was up in uh, Montreal, Canada, and no, I'm sorry, it was Chicago. It was a winter night and snowing, of course, and and uh, uh, we were stuck on the 1011, and the flight attendants actually uh, they didn't deplane the passengers you know, who were headed from Chicago back down to Atlanta. The flight attendants got enough money and got pizzas and gave slices to whomever wanted those slices of pizza on that airplane, the passengers, that is. And it was just kind of typical of Eastern employees.
5: Well, I can agree with that. I know a lot of times when I did my commuting, uh, not so much on our operation because everybody knew everybody and there was uh, nobody usually lost any money, but, uh, as i commuted on uh, most of the other airlines including eastern when they were still uh uh in, in operation that if there was any delays or whatever uh, the the crews would always uh take care of uh everybody in the back with uh you know free drinks and extra food and uh, and they'd even play some extra music on the uh, on the pa system for us when we while we were being yeah. uh, being yeah. entertained so it was always a nice uh the feeling was a lot better back in those days, unlike it is today.
4: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I worked departures uh, in Miami, in Lauderdale, Atlanta, and I. Uh, whenever we had a one or two first class seats open, we usually try to upgrade the soldiers if they were in uniform. Yeah.
1: So, Great. That's uh, good.
4: The, the flight attendants were all for it, and uh, it was just something we always did. Yeah.
1: Okay, how about continuing, Don, to
4: uh, the next story? Well, that, that's just uh, typical Eastern and his employees. And, and like you said, people in general, just when it comes to our military. Oh, what people we had on board those San Juan, Chicago trips. <laughs> and I got stories about that, too. Mr. <laughs> Producer, what's going on with that?
1: This one is titled San Juan to Chicago Trips by Janice Henry. Subtitle, Chicken on Board. If you flew the San Juan to Chicago 11 p.m. flight, you will remember unusual occurrences. The passenger's luggage was usually two large matching shopping bags carrying everything but the kitchen sink. We called it San Juan Samsonite. One evening, I walked down the aisle around 1 a.m. because I kept hearing strange noises. I got about halfway through the cabin and found the source of the sound. A passenger had a live chicken in a brown paper shopping bag. It was a gift for the passenger's relatives in Chicago. We landed safely in Chicago, and so did the chicken. Obviously, I flew before TSA security checks. Subtitle, Laundry Day. On another trip from San Juan to Chicago, a female passenger was in the lavatory for a long time. I finally knocked on the door asking if she was okay. She responded in broken English that she was fine. While handing out meals, I got to her seat. She had the row to herself, which was a good thing. She had wet lingeries draped in the seat back pockets with the air vents directed to the dry cycle. <laughs> Subtitle, must be love. One month, I flew with a flight attendant who was madly in love with the first officer. I could, I could not believe my eyes when she served his dinner to him. She had spelled out, I love you, with peas in his mashed potatoes. <laughs> Subtitle: Harlem, Harlem Globe Trotters. I worked a charter flight with the Harlem Globetrotters, Trotters, a very lively group. Basketballs were being tossed all over the cabin, and they helped carry the meal trays, so it wasn't all that bad.
3: That is a riot. Uh, it's a, it's a, yeah, it's a, those San
1: Juan. Chicago. I flew those night coaches, and, and uh, on the ten eleven, and boy, they they were they were different. And and usually Chicago San Juan, if you remember, you ever flew those trips, they were full too. I mean, we had a heck of a payload or a passenger load up uh, um, both directions. I guess there's a little San Juan, Puerto Rico, in Chicago somewhere, maybe around the old town there.
5: Yeah. <laughs> yeah probably a little further than that
1: yeah yeah okay, Harry, what you got
2: well Neil it it would fill the book if someone wanted to tell all that people on those flights brought on board. We've heard many stories before, some of us saw it, but it was incredible what people would bring on those ten eleven flights from Chicago to yeah. San Juan. What's up next, Mr. Producer?
1: Well, let's listen to a little bit of news about Elvis. Elvis by Kit Jersey. It was late summer of 1975, and we were completing our shift at Bradley, which is Hartford, Connecticut. Tom Murphy, rest in peace, our supervisor, was asking three people to work overtime after our shift. None of the crews felt like taking overtime. We had finished our flights and managed the overnighters. He kept asking, but got no takers because he didn't have full, we didn't have full details on the amount of overtime or when the unscheduled flight would arrive. He called me into his office and said, KJ, I need three of you guys to, to stay or it's going to be forced overtime. I asked him why this was such a big deal. It's Elvis Presley's private plane. I almost jumped out of my chair and said, okay, I'll stay, and I'll get Fast Eddie, who was what we called Dave Chmura, and Uncle Howie, who is Howie Fox, to stay. I called them both outside and said, take the OT, and they asked, what's the big deal? And when I told them, they almost tripped getting back in to tell Murph they would stay. All the other guys were wondering, but punched out and left. We had to to have ground power and air stairs ready for when the plane called in. Finally, after midnight, the plane called in and we headed for the air freight ramp area. There were state police cars and limousines there lined up. Then we saw the plane approach. The tail lit up with spotlights illuminating the large letters TCB. Which meant, of course, taking care of business. The plane landed and taxied to the freight area. Once they parked and we had their power checked, we stood waiting to see Elvis. The Memphis Mafia deplaned first and stood at the bottom of the stairs. The state police and limos pulled up. Then, then Elvis' girlfriend, Linda Thompson, which was, who was Miss USA, deplaned. She was wearing a light brown, hot pants outfit, and got into the limo. Then Elvis appeared. He came down the stairs, met the dignitaries, talked, and posed for pictures. Before getting into the limousine, he looked around and saw us standing there and walked over toward us and said, "'Are you the guys taking care of my girl?' nodding toward his plane, the Lisa Marie. We said, "'Yes,' He shook hands with all of us and said we could go up and check her out, then got into the limousine and left. The pilot gave us a tour of the plane and then went back to work. It was a great moment and now a great memory. The neatest thing was that this aircraft had its own portable ground power unit in the front cargo bin. The inside of the plane was totally plush, fit for a king.
3: Are.
1: But, you know, Elvis was kind of a regular guy to be so, uh, you know, so popular, such a celebrity uh, of his statue. But uh, he seemed like he was just uh, kind of, well, he served in the military. He, he didn't try to uh, draft Dodge or anything like that. Uh, and um, he seemed to be pretty regular. Any well, of you guys ever really... meet him?
5: No, See when he was in the military, when he got his military haircut, I think the guy asked him, he says, would you like to keep those sideburns, boy? So he said, <laughs> yeah. So he shaved them off and plopped them in his lap.
0: <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah. Well, I've got
1: one more I'm going to play, and uh, I, I thought uh, it would be good to um, play this one about uh, LaGuardia. The airport, uh, not necessarily the airport in this case.
5: Yeah. But, Before you start uh, at, that one, Neil.
1: Yeah, go ahead.
5: Yeah, they, uh, they we had a little note here about uh, did anybody know what airplane he had? Of course, we knew yeah. that the name of it was Lisa Marie. Because yeah. he had first he had a uh, 1962 Jetstar, which started uh-huh. out as uh, registration number four four zero. Romeo Mike, and then it turned over to uh, November 777-EP, as for Elvis Presley, and of course the Convair 880 that he owned was operated by Delta, and it was uh, November 880-EP, and uh, that airplane sat down in Fort Lauderdale for a long time, right next to uh, Walker's Cay, because we used to bring our airplane in there, and it used to sit over there derelict before it was finally moved from there by whatever means and crew, to get it to uh, to Graceland. And oh. Just thought, I, uh, thought I'd add that in there.
1: Yeah, interesting. So he had a Convair 880, a dirty yeah. airplane.
5: Uh, yeah, it was a noisy thing, too. Yeah. That was.
1: Yeah. I think it was, uh, didn't it hold the speed record as far as commercial airliners?
5: Uh, yeah, the 880 was, uh, it stood for 880 kilometers per hour. And the 990 was respectively the same, so it was the the fastest jetliner up up until that point, you know, until I the newer it. ones came out.
1: Uh, interesting, very interesting. Yeah. Okay. Very good. Thanks for that information, Mike. Yeah. Appreciate it. Okay, let's hear a little bit about Laguardia. A passenger, Arthur, unknown. Several airlines in the United States keeps a list of the passengers who have traveled on their respective lines. In surveying these lists, it is interesting to note that a number of these air-minded passengers are people who occupy prominent positions in the public life of the country. The occupations and interests of these air travelers cover vast fields. Eastern Air Transport Incorporated has carried bishops, prize fighters, ambassadors, explorers, lecturers, authors, and politicians. The people who travel by air invariably are interested in air transportation. This interest varies in intensity. For such passengers as Count Felix von Luckner and Admiral Richard Byrd are naturally more enthusiastic about flying than Richard Halliburton and Lowell Thomas. It would seem that amongst these various groups, the mayors of the United States have done the most express traveling, for no less than 15 mayors have been carried on planes operated by Eastern Air Transport, Incorporated. Fiorello, Little Flower, as he sometimes called, H. LaGuardia, mayor of United States' key city, can be numbered among the more enthusiastic air travelers. Mr. LaGuardia, realizing future possibilities, has been interested in aviation since its inception. The potential energy stored in LaGuardia's five feet, two inch frame has made it possible for him to be interested in an industry with which, at present, he has no direct contact. The uh, the mayor of City Hall has always been a public-spirited citizen. While serving at Washington in a legislative capacity, Mr. LaGuardia rarely missed an opportunity to represent his constituents. If congressmen received marks in much the same manner as children do in school, LaGuardia would have been the proud possessor of an A for attendance. The feeling for public service, long inherent in Mayor LaGuardia, has caused him to harbor an intense interest in aviation. In this active field, New York's mayor has felt that the public be served well. His interest in such a progressive field began during the World War when Mayor LaGuardia resigned from Congress to serve in the Air Force as a pilot on the Austro uh, uh, Italian front. Upon re election to Congress as representative, the Mayor consistently evinced great interest in anything pertaining to aviation, whether it is military or commercial. Numerous bills designed to benefit aviation were introduced by New York's flying Congressman in the House of Representatives. Mayor LaGuardia has long been an advocate of a Governor's Island airport to serve the New York City as an exhilarate to the present facilities. However, the little flower is no fireside aviator. Although a member of numerous organizations, the insignia he wears is that of the quiet birdman, a group of aviators who saw service during the war. He constantly made use of the commercial airlines between New York and Washington when shuttling between these points became a necessity for him. Before undertaking his new job, the mayor-elect made a 2,850-mile flight from Panama to Washington, D.C. over American-operated foreign and domestic air routes. At the time, Mayor LaGuardia, seemed pleased with advancements in air travel made which he observed while making this journey home after his strenuous electoral campaign. The mayor-to-be left New York for a cruise to the West Indies by steamer. He abandoned the boat at Panama in order to make his return journey by air. Retracing his steps on this trip took only one-third of the elapsed time of his original southward journey. Pan-American Airways carried him from Panama to Miami via Barranquilla, Kingston, Cuba, and the United States. From here, Eastern Air Transport hopped him up to Washington, where LaGuardia spent a day in the capital. The following day, his honor... To be re-entered a plane, to be re-entered a plane as a passenger for a comparatively short trip up to New York City. Although there is a warm spot in his heart for aviation, Mr. LaGuardia has a number of diversified interests. He has long been the friend of all emigrants, a group who, upon leaving their mother country, Mayor LaGuardia, derives much of his understanding of people and their jobs from his own multiple interests. At various times, he has been newspaperman, United States consul at Fume, interpreter at Ellis Island, lawyer, and politician. The contacts necessarily made in such absorbing occupations have left their imprint upon the present incumbent. He has assimilated much of what he has felt and seen so that the army-bred son of a bandmaster has become a true servant of the public. An editor's note. This article appeared in the March 1934 issue of Eastern Air Transport uh, Incorporation's Newswings. Wings. I must say it is most difficult to read the text from the newswing issues back in the days, 1930 when Eastern air Tran- had, transport had that as their newsletter, uh, just the way they wrote back in those days, very, very difficult in reading. Of course, I have problems reading. Uh, well, the, uh, well, I can't think of the name of the book. Uh, you know, where, uh, Forget it. My mind has just
0: disappeared.
5: (laughs) What's the fact you're trying to do it with with one eye? (laughs) (laughs) Now, what were
1: you
3: going to say, Dorothy? Nothing, really.
5: (laughs) Uh, Oh, come on.
3: (laughs) Well, if you don't
0: have
1: anything to say, we got somebody standing by that has something of interest to all of us. I hope you'll share that with us, right, Jim Holder, Captain Jim Holder?
6: Yeah, I'm here. You're talking about the repa yeah. dissolution? Yeah, yeah. the REAPA dissolution came about because we had had such low attendance, and the the group is getting old, and you know what I mean. Don't have to go through all of that. Yeah. And so we passed the resolution uh, three to five. I'm rather uh, five to three. No, three to two, I'll get straight here in a minute. To start that solution <laughs> and it got to be a controversial thing so there were some people on the board wanted to try to keep it going, you know, keeping it going and even though nobody was really coming. And most of the board uh had been served and, you know, I was there nineteen years, Jerry was there seventeen and Bud Robbins was there I think thirteen. And we were getting tired, and we couldn't get anybody to come on the board, you know, replace us or anything. So, dissolution passed, uh, the motion to have desolution passed, and the bylaws require that two-thirds of the voting's regular members, not affiliates and all the others, just regular members, the pilots, uh, had to approve the resolution. And we had that, and there was some controversy over getting the ballot out. We got it all out, Jerry and I and our wives uh, got it all out to 370 regular members. And of that 370, 273 returned their ballots. And, uh, and the vote was uh, to keep it going was 138, and to start resolution, which is an above procedure, was 135. And uh, two thirds of that 273 was. Uh, 182. So we fell quite short of getting dissolution started. And so uh, I had resigned back in July on all of my positions. And uh, Jerry Frost, uh, he also had resigned, but he stayed on after resigning, uh, rescinded his resignation because he has a real important job being the treasurer, managing all of our dues and everything else. Uh, I was uh, editor, and I previously resigned as editor twice and this time I made it stick but that's about the story, so it's going to continue on uh there's no re- There's no reunion this year it was canceled uh It's interesting to see that hundred and thirty eight people voted to continue uh having the reunions and we had twenty one at the last reunion, including five of were board members who were supposed to be there. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens, and, uh, and that's about it. Well, I don't you know, guess. Jim. I, I just, guess. yeah. Let I me just one want... other thing. Yeah. The Silver Falcons. Uh, I may have mentioned this before, and I won't be on the radio show Monday because of this. The Silver Falcons last year at our convention in uh, in Auburn uh, unanimously passed a vote to start. That's not dissolution. They're just shutting it down. We didn't have a dissolution of uh Silver Falcons, and we're having our final convention again in Auburn, starting this coming Saturday, and concluding with uh, uh, the banquet Monday night in Auburn. And when that, when that banquet is over, the Silver Falcons uh, no longer exist as a group. And that's been a good. They've been. They will. We were formed uh, after. The uh, strike, and uh, and it's been it's been a real good 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 bunch of guys. Many of them Eastern pilots belong to both groups, uh, and uh, and I personally have been the president of both of them, and uh, I was on the first board for the Silver Falcons too. So it's it's going out with dignity. There's no doubt about it, and well managed. And I've got a bunch of stuff again, pictures and plans. You know. People have been giving me all these eastern photographs, beautifully framed, and we've been raising money at the conventions to help O.A. fish out up in North Carolina with his with his uh, summer camp for teenagers. And uh, I'm going to haul another load down there to Auburn Saturday, and we're going to have hopefully some more options or whatever we're going to do to try to raise them – OA some more uh, money to help pay for his new kitchen. He's having to put in a whole new kitchen by the health department, so he can increase the attendance of the ones that he he hates to turn some away. But he's been having to. But with a new kitchen and a new sewer system, sewage system, he's going to be able to have another some large number of kids come there.
4: That's going to be.
6: Expensive. That's about it. Well, how do you uh, see your
5: place must be looking like Sanford and Son by now?
6: <laughs> the what now? What you say?
5: <laughs> I say, with all the stuff you you're picking up, your your place must be looking like Sanford and Son.
6: Well, it does. That's and what I used to have. We call it a garden room. It was a it was a back porch, and the previous owner converted it to a garden room. Windows all the way around it, and all that. And I got a church pew on one side, and, and you can't even see the church pew anymore. <laughs> and a uh, few boxes, and, and Carrie's got, and I kid you not, she's got five vacuum cleaners. Two of them she's never used. <laughs> what in the hell does she keep buying vacuum cleaners for? me, She's got three or four that roll around. She's got one she wears a pack on the back. <laughs> I said, Carrie, don't buy any more vacuum cleaners. But uh, they're not going to Auburn's auction. but I sure would like to. Put them in a basement or something. I don't know why. Oh well. How did I get off on these sides? Well, to Jim. Honest? Jim.
1: Hey, Jim Holder. Who? Uh, who's on the board now? Who?
6: What? The, the Reaper board is present. Yeah. It, uh One of the things that was controversial was we've always had a five-man board, at least in the last ten years or fifteen years. Uh, it's varied in size over the years, starting back 49 years ago. It'll be, the next year, year would be the 50th anniversary, the Reapers, golden anniversary. Uh, but right, but we ended up, there was another ballot taken at the board, at the business meeting last year, and I won't go into that, but we ended up with another board member. And, and I'm sure it was because of the pending dissolution motion. And... Uh, because of that, there was some hard feelings, and uh, and I decided to uh, resign back in July. This was after everything was all set up for the ballot and all that. And uh, but I was just tired. Jerry Frost is worn out and tired. Bud Robbins is tired. So right now, there's a, they got a five-man board again uh, since Jerry's still there, and uh, and so is Bud. Uh, And as Johnny Steinmetz is the president and vice president, Richard Burnett, the treasurer is uh, Gary Frost. But Robbins is secretary, and John Shearer is the director. Uh, I was the director prior to this, and then they created another director position, uh, and he was elected to that. So now it's a five-man board again. And he is the only director, and I'm and I'll be lined again.
4: Uh,
1: well, Jim, how do you, how do you see REPA representing uh, the retired pilots now? Uh, since uh, you you probably won't be putting out a
6: newsletter, do you
1: suppose uh, someone will pick that That's up?
6: Correct. Well, Johnny Steinmetz, uh, he when we had the ballot count the other day, it was at Jerry Frost's house, and Carrie and I went, and Jerry and Marge were there, his wife, and then Johnny. And Richard came, and Richard, uh, and after the boat was over, and we saw that dissolution failed, and he started talking about uh, what he's going to be doing. You know, if you know Johnny, he's uh, he's got a lot of ideas. He's a go 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 guy, and he's uh, wants. He's been trying to get me to agree, or the other to put it out on the internet and all that kind of stuff. I'm newsletters, report, fan magazine, magazines. That's just unworkable, you know. Half of our groups in their 70s, and a lot of them have computers. Most of the ones that have computers, like me, don't have a clue how they work and how they're going to be looking at uh, uh, newsletters and stuff like that. But that's what he wants to do, and if someone doesn't have one, he's uh, going to put the word out by U.S. Mail. And uh, there is an email. I've already seen the email that it's, uh, he's sending out to everyone and uh, he's working with Richard Nichols, who is a IT guy that I've been working with all these years. And Johnny is, uh, knows less about uh, sending out stuff than I do, and and I don't know very much. But Richard always saves me, and I'm sure he'll be saving Johnny's assignments, too, and getting the messages out. But that only goes to the people who have computers or, or, of course, I've still got my EL info list, which, Neil, you're on it, and I think Dorothy, and Mike Scott's on it, and...
4: And, uh, George. Yeah.
6: And uh, so I sent the message out, and y'all probably got that message then about yeah, the dissolutions. Uh, yeah. solutions mm. uh, Well, but that's uh, my personal. That's my personal email list started out as a telephone tree uh, back in the uh, '70s that gener- that morphed into a phone tree because I was no- notifying my group by email when I got a computer in 99 and all of a sudden all the other guys that had uh, on the phone three they said well why don't you you send? let me give you their email address I don't want to call them anymore and not that we did a lot of calling so that's where the EL info list came from but that's mine and mine alone and it still got right at 300 people on it so you know go ahead
5: Dorothy
3: well I was going to say the thing that's very interesting is You have quite a few people that want to continue, but out of the people that want to continue, do they also want to contribute and be a part of it and run it with others, or do they want someone else doing all the work and they stand back? That's the thing.
6: And that is the big problem because we have had – I got Richard Burnett to come on the board. You know, eight or nine years ago, we couldn't get anybody else. we talked come on. No, right. no, I don't care anything. about." And I got Richard to come on simply because he sold the tickets at our Reaper luncheons every month. And I said, Richard, why don't you come on and, and, you know, maybe come on as director. And he came on, and he did. And he ended up being president at the Charleston uh, one year, some years ago. And he's still on the board. But the people don't come to the they don't come to the conventions anymore You know we used to have 500 I know my first convention In 97 After I retired at 60 We had over 700 people down there At the, one of the Florida uh, Cities in the panhandle And we had more people playing golf And tennis That come to the meetings now I mean have been coming for the last Eight or nine years Cause, You know when they're getting old We got an old group And they don't travel very well. Hanson Calloway bless his heart. We've talked about Hanson a lot. I can remember Hanson coming to the convention in his blue van with his wife in the front seat with him and four weak widows in the back. And he's talking about dragging all these women, all these conventions and everything, telling only how to drive, where to go, and all that kind of stuff. But they continued to come; these widows did. But of course, all of those are, and, and his wife is still alive, and Anson's gone, and all those widows are gone. And so we were having more women. Yeah. The last two conventions, we <clears> had <throat> more women there, you know, former flight, not some former flight attendants at Pilate, and married pilots, and than they did members regular members we we quit playing golf yeah. about eight years ago we quit having tennis. We used to have fifty or sixty people come play tennis in the tennis tournaments it's just it's just run down it's a run down and and i just i I just don't think we ought to keep trying to stuff alone and that's what brought all of this uh you know some hard feelings that some people just want to keep it going and it's yet uh Silver Falcons are going out with dignity. They passed a resolution mm-hmm. finals, you know, and it, we're planned, and you know, we have a good time. Well, you know,
1: Jim, on. if you if you can't recruit people to uh, be members of an association, yeah, it's it's going to die, and the good thing about the Silver Liners is that they have opened it up now to flight attendants from around the world, world's aviation mm-hmm. community. Yeah. All yeah. the airlines right. can come in to the Silverliners yeah. group, and so they're growing yeah. instead of, uh, instead yeah. of uh,
6: you, you know, well, diminishing. Look at, yeah. look at uh, TWA Pilots. They had a retirement organization. It's gone. The Brandiff guys, they shut theirs down about three years yeah. ago. Yeah, Pat national. Gone. Yeah. TWA, national. Uh, they are gone. Yeah. I, know, uh, I know United still has a UPA, you know, which is United Pilots. But they're still flying. They got people, and Delta's still flying. They got people. Well, uh, I want to bring it people.
1: I want to brag a little bit.
6: That, Go the, ahead.
1: The Eastern Airlines Radio Show represents uh, all Eastern people, and Dorothy has done a great job with the website. We have uh, pretty consistently produced shows. Uh, every once in a while we have technical difficulties and, and uh, the mission is scrubbed because we can't get through. But I don't think we miss more than about five shows a year because of that or either sickness or health in uh, getting this show out. Uh, so the website is there for all the Silverliners. Liners, uh, Repa, uh, the Silver Falcons, uh, any group, E-A-R-A, mm-hmm. which now, of course, that large organization is no longer around. And uh, so we're here. But I want to I compliment Jerry Frost. Jerry has done a wonderful job with Repa Online, which uh, you probably mm-hmm. remember. I started back around 2000, the year 2000, mm-hmm. when I was the mm-hmm. editor of the magazine, knowing that it was going to go that way. It was going to go cyber. And a lot of newsletters and magazines and so forth would be eventually on the internet. And so I picked that up and got Online started and uh, started things like the memorial list, putting all of that in there. It took a long time to do that. But Jerry Frost has done a brilliant job we're taking sure, yeah, all yeah. of the issues sure, yeah. of RepRT, and I was there just the other day trying to find some interesting stories, which that's what we've been doing here recently is uh, giving stories on this RePA radio hour uh, from RepRT, the magazine. And so mm-hmm. I couldn't get my little CD that Jerry had sent out that I have. I go to it every once in a while. I couldn't get it to work. So I went over to RePA Online. And there is the entire, all of the publications from the very first newsletter up until the last. He and has it, too. Yeah. And he and you just flick the pages. It's brilliant. He's done a wonderful mm-hmm. job. So now I don't have to go to my computer and put my little CD in there and look up these stories <laughs> that we uh, that mm. we put on the air. Uh, every week but now I can go to Repo Online and look up and see what I want and copy and paste, you know, and and uh so please tell him thank you very much for
6: doing what well, do he does. Well I sure will you are right. He has done an amazing job with uh getting all this digital stuff going and on the on the Reap Online and you can just go click on it and read months at a time if you want to. Yeah,
1: yeah. Well Okay. Well, let's reap a chat. We just had a little reap a chat.
5: You guys, guys. you guys should all get a a gold and silver star together for holding all us together. You, all you guys,
6: you know. Well, Well, you know. (laughs) Well, let me tell you what. When you when you go down there to the convention, that's been this way for some time. I don't know who started it, but Sue Reeves and Sue and Frankie and uh, they got to get credit too. And and. uh, uh, Golly, Michelle, Michelle, they've done yeah, a wonderful Garrett, job yeah. of keeping our, keeping our uh, conventions going. And they started putting stars on your name tag, you know, when you had a name tag. And, uh, yeah. and, of course, if you got in the Hall of Fame, then you got a name tag star for that and everything. And, and, uh, and I didn't, you know, they did, when, I put, when they did that, I put my name tag. What are these stars? They're a blue star and a gold star. What else cause you a great president, you know, something like that and all that, and uh, this young lovely came up to me at the convention, this had been about 10 years ago, and said, well, Captain Holder, look at you, what is all these stars on your name tag? And I said, well, this is because uh, I was a president, and this is because I was a hall of fame, and this big gold star over here they gave me, because I was lover of the month three months in a row. And uh <laughs> got pissed off. <laughs> Lover of the month, three months in a row. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh boy. Hey,
2: Neil, while we're on the subject, if you have just a minute here.
0: Yeah, Harry. Uh,
2: kinda kinda as the newest member, I would just like to say I've gone back in the archives and listened to several programs and they are really great programs. Everyone I've listened to has been been very uh entertaining. Uh, A lot of information, uh, just excellent programs. So any listeners, hopefully you have checked those out and go back and listen to some of those programs, especially the episode with uh, Old Jim, I think it's 269, about the Eastern Pilots' uh, hunting lodge.
6: Hunt Club, oh yeah. uh, Yeah, the Hunt Club. (laughs) It's a good thing that, that, that
2: Old Jim became an airline pilot because of Jerry Clower. Jerry Clower might not have had a career if, if Old Jim <laughs> had got in there. But uh, <laughs> listen to that one and, and uh, some of the others; they are really, really good stories.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah, you got to listen to the Halloween special every October. I don't know what we're going to do. Yeah. We got to put it on the schedule again this October. Got another Halloween coming up.
3: Good. Very good.
1: Okay, very good. Thank you so much. That was great chat, guys. That's what it's all about. And uh, again, REPA is our major sponsor. They keep us on the air. We'd have been gone a few years back. And uh, my wife says, I couldn't spend any more money because it was coming out of our bank account. <laughs> and
0: uh, well, it's been
6: eased, eased somewhat.
1: Still do a little bit of uh, spending, but. Uh, well, I think it,
6: with Jerry Frost, along with Jerry Frost there, you'll keep getting on. A donation from REFA, of course. I'm out of the picture now, but Jerry, yeah. will, I think Jerry will make sure you still get the uh, donation to help keep it going. Well,
1: that's that's great. Thank you. It
3: would be appreciated for sure.
1: Okay, Dorothy, sell uh, yep, yours go sell now. some
2: of them. Uh, go sell some of them vacuum cleaners and send the money to <laughs> Neil. <laughs>
6: <laughs> Thanks, Jerry. Some of those, some, some of those. What? What I, I didn't I didn't know did, some of
2: those vacuum cleaners.
6: <laughs> oh, vacuum
2: <laughs> cleaners! Oh,
6: yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. We ought to sell those, make donate the money to Reaper. Yeah, and, yeah, there you go. I don't know. Okay. What to, that is a mystery to me. So
1: All right,
6: lot
1: of fun. We'll see you guys Monday. But go ahead, Dorothy, and uh, what do you got?
3: Okay, Uh, well, thanks, Don and uh, Neil and all you folks. The radio show goes country on Monday, September 21st. Our broadcast is at 7 p.m. Eastern time. And, of course, we mean mixing country music in with Eastern history. We always have to have our Eastern history. That's what this program is all about. We are happy to continue providing Eastern family with so many ways to keep the Eastern memory alive and connect with our friends and fellow employees almost daily. The latest news of the old and the new is brought to you on the EAL radio show website and by these broadcasts that we do twice weekly. We encourage you to add your voice and memories to the broadcast by calling in and also by sending in your comments to the webmaster at host@eal radioshow.com, so that we may include them on our extremely popular website. Don?
4: Okay. Well, thank you, Dorothy. It looks like uh, we'll see you again next week, same time, when we continue our trip through the pages of Repartee, as printed in the magazine of the Retired Eastern Pilots Association and other publications. And by the way, if you haven't visited our website, www.ealradioshow.com, you'll find many more great stories of Eastern and its memories. On behalf of all of our hosts, and our producer, Captain Neil Holland, this is Don Gagnon saying so long, Eastern family. We love you, Eastern. We
0: love
1: you. you, Eastern. Thanks, guys. Long live Eastern. Thanks,
4: Neil. It was great.
1: Good.
3: This was a good show. See
1: you Monday night. Thanks.
0: Don't leave me, I cry. Don't take that airplane ride. But you locked me out of your mind. You left me standing here behind.